A very warm welcome to our listeners to this latest edition of the Enigmatic Elite podcast. My name is Fidel and I will be your host today. In this episode, we discuss common issues couples should consider when getting married or divorced with reference specifically to prenuptial agreements, matrimonial property, divorce proceedings, and child support arrangements. To help us unpack this vibrant area of law in our culture is our guest Gladys Mwangi, a family law practitioner based in Nairobi. With 15 years experience, Gladys specializes in family, succession and probate matters alongside other commercial law and labor law transactions. She also teaches family law and civil procedure at Kenyatta University. If you have an interest in this area, and maybe you are going through some of the issues we shall discuss today, please take some time to listen and get to know what the law has in store for you and your family. As always, our podcasts are for general informational purposes. So please do speak to a lawyer if you require legal advice on specific legal queries. At the end of the podcast, please send through your feedback, comments and questions and we shall reach out to you through sponsors. Hello, Fidel. Hi, Gladys. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Yes. Um, today we are going to discuss uh, family law issues. Yes. You being an expert, I think this would be the best. Uh, you would be the best person to to give some insight on the same. Yes. Um, so. Just perhaps to, to, to give a background, um, we, we have, from, from my understanding, three areas of, of family law, especially as relates to, uh, you know, the relationship between um, uh, husband, wife, and children. Mm-hmm. Of course, there is the aspect of um, property. Yes. Uh, Acquired by um, by the by the by the couple as as you know as, as they they continue to live their lives. There is also the aspect of um, what happens um, when the relationship breaks down, um, and finally there's an aspect of of you know the child. What happens to the children? You know, for example, if if things are not working out, what are the children's rights? Um, Issues to do with the best interests of the child. Um, so, so primarily in this podcast, what we're looking to discuss, and, and I hope that you'll be able to give, um, you know, quite a bit of insight, mm-hmm. is how should people prepare in the event that you know uh, a marriage breaks down? Yes. Um, even before they they get married, and during their marriage, and you know, once once uh, things have broken down and they're not able to to continue with the marriage, so perhaps yes. you can just actually just break down for us um, those three or four um, issues mm-hmm. that uh, or you know that 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 one should consider when when getting into a marriage, especially in relation to what would happen if 
uh, you know, things don't work out. Uh, thank you, Fidel, uh, for this insightful discussion. So uh, as you know, marriage uh, is like a contract. So when people come together, they have their own uh, arrangements, they have their own interests, and uh, which they would need to secure during the marriage and in the event of a uh, breakdown of the marriage. And the critical issues that uh, should be of every person concerned, <clears throat> excuse me, who is entering in my marriage, one of course is the, there's always the issue of property. Yes. And uh, especially in a situation where people have their own uh, properties prior to marriage. Uh, there's always anxiety, what becomes of your property when you get married? Does it yeah. now turn out to be joint property? Can you continue holding uh, private ownership to your property during marriage? The other thing, uh, Fidel, of course, is a uh, property which you will acquire during the marriage, whether yeah. jointly with your spouse or alone as one of the spouses. And also now what happens to that property in the unfortunate event of divorce? Do you take away what you brought on the table? What do you do with the joint property? So that's a big issue of concern, Fidel. Yeah. The other thing, of course, uh, that concerns people is the issue of children. Uh, mm. And in most cases, children who are born during the existence of the marriage, when people go their separate ways, what it becomes of the children, who, do, who has the custody of the children, how do you ensure the interest of the children is uh, secured. So the, yeah. those are, the, are critical issues that uh, every person should be concerned. And uh, that also defines the kind of separation or divorce people want to have. Should, is it acrimonious? Is it a situation where people are able to agree now on these issues of property, children so that uh, everybody's interest is secured. So those are the key areas that uh, should interest people as they enter the marriage. Of course, they don't enter into a marriage anticipating divorce, but uh, as we are saying, it's a contract which uh, will persist. And in some cases, the reality is it can come to an end. Well, thank you, Gladys. I think you've made that um, very, very clear. And it's, and it's interesting that you say that people should not enter into or do not actually enter into marriages contemplating divorce. But we have seen um, even not just um, here, but a lot of people outside, say in the Western world, they're now starting to do what are called prenuptial agreements. They're starting yes. to plan ahead before they even eventually enter into a marriage. Um, yes. Do you see this as something that um, as Kenyans um, or even people living within Africa, it's something that we should start considering much more broadly? And, and this picks up on the point of, of property, because property is a key component, key, key, key component or key pain point or a pain point um, of any divorce um, uh, settlement, how property is treated. So how, how, how do people... How can people um, look after or consider or deal with their property before they even enter into marriage? Perhaps you can just give us some insight on that. Yes, Fidel, I agree that uh, the issue of prenatal arguments is really taking root. 
And uh, you'll be surprised that uh, now, even in Kenya, as much as uh, it's not uh, very well embraced, more people are willing to consider it because uh, of the reality of the fact that uh, once marriages uh, break out, that uh, parties often have their properties. And, and Fidel, if you, if you look at the historical development of ownership of property, especially in Africa, where... Yeah. Uh, mostly having been in a patriarchal society, initially mm. we had cases where men used to own property or hold the property in trust for the family. But the reality is that uh, today you are seeing uh, spouses who are able to have, you'd say even 50-50 ownership of their own property. So it's a big thing now that uh, every spouse has an interest, they are working, they are investing, so, and, and they, you'll find that by the time people are getting married, they are in the, they are working, they have already started investing. So there's that stability that people want, whether the marriage uh, subsists, people want to have some stability that uh, the ownership of your property does not, is not dependent on subsistence of a marriage. In fact, it's more of severing or removing your, acquisition or ownership of property from the marriage relationship so that uh, as you concentrate in the marriage with the nation uh, bearing children you are not disrupted with your ideas of investment or how you want to them to flow so it's a fact that i've seen many people embracing their consulting we may not have many arguments which have already in actual sense been entered into but you have seen informal arrangements that people will discuss because remember an agreement does not have to be in writing fidel it yeah. could be oral agreements you know could be oral so you'll see that uh, people are entering into some sort of consensus that uh, yes we are coming together i have this i would like to retain this irrespective of how the situation is with the marriage so the fact is fidel is that uh, people now are mocking and it's something we are going to see develop uh gradually and maybe at a higher speed as we move on so yes it's not a it has not taken root as fast as uh, happening in other western countries but yes people are ready to embrace it now well, well gladys uh, i'm glad you brought um the issue of people looking now starting to embrace and to, to consider and to think about more about what what property they want to bring into their marriage how the property will be treated in the marriage. Because I've also seen, in, 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 and you probably have as well in private practice, where you'll find um, a husband and wife want to invest together in one property. And then yes. on the side, maybe one of the other parties, say the wife, goes and buys yes. a separate property on her own yeah, yes. without even informing the husband. It's happened, it happens quite quite frequently. Very, um, very so, frequently. So it, it's very, very frequent, as, you, as, you, as you're saying. And And it shows that people are much, much more aware of, one, the laws, um, and two, um, what they can get out of a marriage. So, so in terms of their property, what their property rights are, how they can best secure their future, because they're not, they're not just thinking about their marriage or how things will go in the marriage. They're thinking about what happens if things don't work out. And I don't know if that's, that's your, your experience as well. In fact, uh, the reality, Especially if you look at uh, people who are working and maybe mm. spouses, both spouses are working and they have their income. You'll find yeah. that uh, their interest uh, is not really uh, getting away with the other person's property. After all, 
each spouse is saying, I can work and uh, live the life I want. I can yeah. uh, invest and purchase the property so that uh, they want to that comfort that uh, this marriage will not disrupt my right of ownership of property. And for instance, in cases where people would want to build investments, maybe for the sake of children, inheritance, where they'll be saying, let's, for instance, then develop this property for the sake of our children, they can inherit. So you will see that consensus that uh, let's this be joint property, that they want to create that clear separation of joint and uh, separate ownership of property. So, so even as you get into the marriage, of course, if you can, you can consider having a prenuptial agreement, especially where you already are coming into a marriage with property. Um, yes. That, that, that's one thing to consider. And, and probably the other thing you may want to, to consider is once you get into the marriage, do you want to immediately or within a, a year or two start planning um, how to deal with your estate in the event things don't either don't work out or if one party decides, you know, they, they're not willing to stay within the marriage or they pass away. So there's that, that aspect of estate planning within the marriage. Is, is that something you, you, would, you would encourage? Very much, Fidel, very much. Because remember, when you're saying you are in a marriage and you are, you're also holding your private property, yes. it, it also, it's very connected also to issues of inheritance and succession. Absolutely. You cannot uh, uh, rule out the fact that uh, at one day your property will be inherited by someone, like your children or any other person. So mm. as long as you are holding your private property, and the intention is that that property should be yours as a private citizen, irrespective of whether married or not. It's very advisable you think of estate planning. And uh, as you know, even when people are making wills and all that uh, registration of trusts, there's that, uh, we call it freedom of uh, bequeathing your property. Because yeah. it goes hand in hand with uh, your right to own property and you can bequeath it to whoever you want. So yeah. uh, people should not take comfort just because you have your private property, whether married or not. It's advisable to plan. It's advisable to plan, especially when you have children, you have dependents. Yeah. Because this private property, your spouse will have limited control of that property. Of course, they, they, they could claim as uh, beneficiaries. But uh, really, dispose or plan for your property while you are still there for future prospect, uh, for your future planning and how you'd like uh, your property to be managed in the future. It's very advisable. Yeah, we, we, we have this uh, um, aspect in Kenyan law called matrimonial property, and I think we have, we have an act that, that deals with it. Um, yes. If, if you are looking to plan um, your marriage and you are coming in with property, can you exclude certain property from being matrimonial property? Because I know, that, I know that there are many people who, who have their own separate investments. Some of them are not even, they ne they'll never even disclose to their spouse. Mm -hmm. is, is is it is it something that can be done and you know uh, you know for, for for a spouse that that looks or wants wants to secure their own property for their own future indi individual benefit yes fidel and you know the good thing with the uh the, the, the our statute of the matrimonial property is that it's now very clear on definition of what constitutes matrimonial property 
Yeah. One, it excludes property which was acquired before uh, the commencement of the marriage. So people right. should not have any apprehension that uh, if I have acquired all this, uh, will it be considered a matrimonial property? So that's excluded. Number two, we have seen development of jurisprudence where the reality is that uh, you must prove a contribution to acquisition of property. So even assuming spouse A, even mm. if they have not uh, expressly excluded it, yeah. for it to be considered a matrimonial property, which the other spouse can lay a claim on, they must prove that they contributed to acquisition of that property. Mm. And Whether this financially has been... or, or, or otherwise. Largely now the courts are focusing on financially. Uh, I'm saying this because we have had a development of uh, jurisprudence. Mm. Uh, where initially, remember we used to have those days where it was bidding them to be 50-50 share. As long as yeah. you're married in a property, the marriage, it's shared 50-50. So we have moved from there to where the courts have interpreted the law to say that you must demonstrate financial contribution. Towards and, the acquisition. Yes, and, and I'm seeing a serious objection from organizations like, uh, maybe uh, women-aligned organizations like FIDA, where they are saying, this is unfair probably to women who are homemakers, who don't have uh, maybe formal employment, but the courts now have... Uh, develop jurisprudence, you must demonstrate you financially contributed to the acquisition of that property. Of course, as there is a leeway of a small percentage here, the courts have also said that uh, you'll find often, especially women, uh, because of the time they take to nurture the children, sometimes they have to take some time off from work. And that yeah. maybe may account for about 10, 5%, not the 50% that they used to get. So oh. people can comfort in that uh, whether you expressly exclude the property or not, as long as the other spouse never made any effort, made any financial contribution, they will, they, they'll have a at all order making an equal demand for the property. But again, uh, going back now to your question, whether you can expressly exclude uh, yes. properties. Yes, you can. In the event you ca have come up with this uh, prenatal argument, it's very much in order to say these are the kind of properties that uh, can form uh, matrimonial property and expressly mm. say that uh, if I build a house on uh, this land, and you can even define the property, I do not wish that it ever be included or described or maybe incorporated on any kind of uh, matrimonial property. That is very possible. And, and finally, maybe to ask you, do the other, can the prenup agreement override a will? Remember, Fidel, that uh, when you're doing a will, it's your, mm. we, we say uh, it's a final, you are expressing your final wish. And yes. that's why you yes. often find uh, a clause, which is very common in the will, that uh, where the, you sort of uh, declare, de declare any other uh, dispositions you've done in the past. Mm. You nullify them and say, this is my final wish. Ah, right, right. So, so, so even uh, in your final wish, you could, you could say, I also, you know, 
uh, wish to declare that anything contained in my prenuptial agreement should should be enforced or whatever, you know. You should, yes, yes. Stand, stand, should thing, I pass away? Thing. Yes, the safer thing would be to make reference to the argument. Yes. Maybe reiterate yes. uh, my wishes to be respected as the yes. as per the prenup agreement. So mm. it, it would be it would be good if you could make reference to it and and make maybe emphasis on uh, on uh, it being observed. Ah, okay, fine. Thank thank you, Gladys, for that um, for that uh, breakdown and insight. Um, mm -hmm. Perhaps we can just move on slightly. So now, you know, you've, you've done your prenup, you've got into the marriage, uh, things have, you know, moved along for a few years, and but then things start to break down. There's, you know, miscommunication or whatever. So uh, you're reaching that point whereby uh, the parties are considering uh, a divorce uh, yes. or a separation. So, so just break it down for us. What, what would be common grounds for, say, a divorce or separation? Uh, Fidel, uh, from my experience, uh, the common grounds uh, which uh, spouses uh, mostly bring up is uh, we have, of course, infidelity is a very common. Uh, we have yes. issues of loyalty where the spouse yes. would be claiming for one reason or the other, the other spouse has been uh, very cruel to them, either not providing, either not... Uh, you, you, you are being there for the other spouse to provide the expected uh, provisions for a marriage, even providing basic needs for the other spouse or the family. And you know, the term cruelty has been defined in very broad terms. It could be abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, uh, distress. So yeah. we've had uh, the, the common, there are many Fidel, but the common one uh, yeah. has been Reality and uh, cruelty, which is very yes. broad and incorporates very many reasons. Right, right. Um, I, I saw I, there was a case once I heard about um, <clears throat> freedom of association. Is that a ground? Because apparently, if you you are apparently free to associate with whoever you wish, and if you don't want to associate with 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 a, with a spouse, then that's another mm -hmm. ground for divorce. I've seen, I've, I've heard of that. Is that is that the case? Uh, th th that is uh, an interesting, uh, maybe depend on how you want to fit it. Remember, these are uh, once you enter into a marriage, you're entering yeah. into a contract exactly for good or for bad. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, once you enter into that contract, every contract has exit terms. Yes, and 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 probably what is closer to what uh, you, you are alluding to is the issue of divorce by consent. Can people mm -hmm. just say, we are tired, uh, uh, let's move on? Mm -hmm. Is it something, is, is marriage something you walk in today and two days later, I don't feel like you walk out? Uh, that yes. that, the, the, that uh, has not gained ground and is not supported by the law. You, you know, if you look at our constitution, it's, uh, it's very protective of the institution of marriage. Yes. even from the preamble of our constitution, for the simple reason that, remember this marriage may bring up, uh, may bring in issues of children and other interests. So there, it's not just two people who are, 
who are deciding let's walk in and out as we wish. There's that uh, wish by the state to protect the institution of marriage. And, and there are the many benefits which are alluded to existence of marriage. You know, they say it's the basic unit, is the root of the society. It starts from the family level, moves to the community, to the society. So because of that uh, wish of the state to protect, uh, to protect the, the marriage institution, institution yes. it, it has also put, uh, what do you call them, made it a bit hard that uh, people can mm. just uh, voluntarily enter in and out as they wish. Yeah. So if yeah. the law does not allow that, mm. that's why you must always go through the procedure. You, you must always go through the process of divorce Remember, again, your divorce must go through the legal process. There's a legal process. Yes. And prove the existence of the grounds. Okay. So okay. then that removes the, the aspect that you can walk in and out without any limitations. Yeah. And it's interesting that, uh, you know, one of the issues that the courts would consider is children. And I think... Uh, this leads uh, quite well into I think, the last part of our discussion. Um, yes. So the, the issue of children, of course, children have um, a role to play in the marriage. They are, they are you know, they, they are offspring of the marriage. Um, when the marriage breaks down, there's usually a fight, um, sometimes between the, the two spouses as to who will keep the children. Um, but what, what, what do you see um, when it comes to... Um, children and separation what do you see as the, the hot points um, from your experience uh, Fidel, children are such a critical uh, issue in the in marriage very critical and uh, that's why we have a whole statute providing for protection of children our children act because yes. uh, remember they are vulnerable even our constitution describes them as such they are vulnerable, they must be protected. So irrespective of the direction that a marriage takes, children must be protected. So you, you'll find that uh, any time a marriage breaks and there are children involved, mm -hmm. the, any, any person is concerned, what is the fate of these children? How will That's they the continue? primary concern. The primary concern. Yeah. How will their welfare continue being? taken care of. People are moving their separate ways. Who will live with these children? Who will feed them? Who will educate them? And you know, we, we now have, we, we have a children's court specifically just for their children welfare again, because uh, that's the fact that yes. during separations or divorce, in fact, children tend to suffer than the separating spouses. Yes. Because they are dependent. You know, as a spouse, you are working, you can provide for yourself. But for children, they fully depend on the parents. So anytime the parents are not in talking terms, moving their separate ways, they are in between very uh, vulnerable. So the issue of custody, the issue is critical. It must either be agreed between the spouses or it's sub is subjected for determination by the court. Okay, and, and, and in terms of responsibilities, because, you know, you get sometimes situations whereby, say, um, the, the mother feels that she has 
greater legal rights as opposed to the father. Is that the case in the law? And then on the second point, um, if, if it is not the case, then how do you um, bridge that gap of, of, of in terms of custody and rights of the child and also the rights of the parents to be with the child um, as frequently as possible? How do you bring those two together if, if you're handling such a matter? Uh, Fidel, when it comes to children, I prefer to discuss the issue of custody and uh, maintenance uh, as two separate aspects. For the right. simple reason that uh, when it comes to maintenance, and by maintenance, I mean uh, meeting day-to-day -day needs of the child, paying school mm. fees, providing medical care, food, and the, the usual basic care. The law is clear that both parents have an equal obligation towards that. Right. So no parent should feel superior or no parent should avoid playing their role. The law provides they have an equal responsibility. When it comes to custody, the law has, uh, the law has tried to make uh, a to be more specific for the simple reason that uh, a line has been drawn between children who are a bit older and children uh, which are referred as children of tender years. And mm. these are children who are below 10 years. Yes. So you find uh, 10 years. So the law has, uh, the general principle has been children of 10 tender years, as much as possible, they should live with the mother. Right. That is the general provision. Of course, there are ex exceptions. For instance, if the mother lacks capacity, either maybe to problems like uh, mental, she has other challenges, like she's a drunkard, she's not responsible. If it's proved, that she lacks proper capacity to have the custody of the children, of course the court can order otherwise. Otherwise the general principle is that children of must live with the mother. Of course the consideration is because of the usual needs of the children. They need to be watched closely. The mother will dress, feed them. The, 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 their needs are more better addressed by the by the mother. So when you talk about maybe one party feeling like they have more rights, it's really yeah. not about rights. It's about what we call the best interest of the child. Mm. The best interest. What is the best interest of the child? Is the court or the law looks at where will the child's interest be addressed best in the circumstances? If you give the father a six months old baby, as much as the father can say, yes, I am okay, I can provide, these are breastfeeding child, need to be fed. So would you say in the, the best interest of this child will be met by the child being with the father or the mother? So what I'm trying to bring out, Fidel, is that uh, in fact, the main consideration here is not the parent, it's the child's interest. It's child. Yes. The child's interest. So, uh, that, and uh, going back now to the issue of this, the issue of custody, you know, we have the issue of also access. The fact that the mother has a higher obligation when it comes to tender years does not mm. mean that the father now is uh, pushed off. He has no role to play on custody. Again, the law is clear that uh, he has a right to access the child, to spend time with the child. And that's why you'll see the issue of uh, agreements where parents, if they are not agree, 
it's a convenient time that you can uh, spend time with the child where e etc so it's more of uh, balancing the interests Well, oh, it's very interesting. Maybe I can I can ask you a, a final question on on on, and it's more of a broader question. Um, yes. How do you see um, these kind of family law issues best dealt with? Are they best dealt with, um, like for example, the children's issues, going to court, or better when the parties sit down and agree? If it's matrimonial property. Um, again, is is the court the best arbiter or the best best uh, uh, party to 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 help the parties negotiate or agree on these things? Um, where where do you see, especially in in, in private practice um, and, and in family law practice, where you're you're very prominent, where do you see the law shifting? Is it more towards private engagements, or are we still seeing a lot of matters in the courts? Parties being very, very belligerent, not, not, not talking to uh, one another, or is there more nego negotiation happening? Uh, Fidel, to be honest, uh, the issues, issues uh, of family, or, or, or what we may call uh, family disputes, whether it's about yeah. whether it's regards property or children, mm. it they are better addressed out of court. Right. And remember, Fidel. Uh, You've seen now even the judiciary has what we are calling the court annex mediation. It's yes. meant to even encourage parties to, to feel more comfortable and provide an avenue. Because you remember as much as you are telling people that uh, try to agree out of court, often people have no avenue. Remember these are uh, spouses who cannot even see each other face to face. Yeah. How do you tell them to sit and talk? <laughs> it's very difficult. To you know, enter the, this room, sit and agree on this. Often it, mm. it becomes impossible. That's why you are seeing the courts have also created that avenue where parties do not have to wash their dirty linen in public. They do not have to be too emotional when it comes yeah. to. Uh, you can't rule out that, but uh, you know you can suppress uh, for the best interest of the. Of, of the family, especially Fidel when it comes to issues of the children. Mm. Do you even want to have a messy record in court which your children may one day be reading about uh, how you spent three years in court fighting over who will pay school fees, or mm. who will spend time with them during the holiday? So again, when you even look at the issue of best interest, matters, family matters as much as possible they should be addressed uh, out of court. And, and, of and court. what we're encouraging people to do is that uh, there are issues which people may not entirely agree. So can you narrow down issues which you can agree which you do not have to take to court? And those which you can agree, can you agree and just deal with them amicably? Mm. And then if you need the court support, you can, you can, you can seek it at that time, but at least you have tried. Yes, yes. Right, right. Um, thank, thanks, Gladys. And any, any final thoughts on this topic um, as we wind up? Yeah, I think Fidel is just uh, to know that uh, family law has become very dynamic. We, mm. we are seeing a lot of developments. 
there's, there are a lot of changes. I've told you, for instance, whether in matrimonial property, we are moving from a situation where people used to share 50-50 to a situation yeah. where there's equality. Uh, and you know, also because of equality movement, I can tell you, has a lot impacted on the on how the family formations are coming up. And mm. also it will affect a lot on, on how uh, parties separate. Can you imagine Fidela, sometime back, it would be very uh, hard for a man to even seek to be maintained by their, by their former the wives. <laughs> very difficult. But it's yes, common but now. now. Yes, but now because our, our marriage act has provided equality, as long as you can prove uh, you need to be maintained, again, as you are saying, issues of children of equality. Remember, there are days that uh, even a mother could just lock away the father from ever seeing the child. So yeah. uh, the law has become very liberal, which to me is for, it's towards the good. The law has become very yeah. liberal, and people should embrace, should not shy away from embracing things uh, like prenup agreements, parental responsibility agreements. The, the, it's the reality of uh, what is happening to the situation. So I, I would estate say that planning uh, as well. Estate become a big thing. Yes. People do no longer want to spend five, ten years in court. Uh, mm. fighting of a property. Time is uh, valuable. You want to put that time into developing your investment. So I yeah. think uh, it's only to encourage people to embrace this new development and uh, seek advice so that uh, you, 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 you are able to take the best option, which saves you time, which uh, reduces conflict, which meets the best interests of the child. And, and generally, every member of the of the family. After all, I do not think people should enter into a marriage uh, to end up shattering their lives. Yeah, <laughs> marriage should absolutely. no longer be seen as a, as a channel where you enter and come out shattered. Mm. It, should, it should be a good thing if it works well and good. If it doesn't, you still have your life. And uh, you should yeah. still be able to plan and foresee vision and uh, dreams, whether you've been married or not. That's, uh, that's uh, fantastic advice. Uh, and uh, Gladys, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, mm -hmm. we, I think we've learned a lot, especially in terms of, of things to do with planning. I think planning is one of the most important things that anybody who wants to get into marriage or is already married, they should start planning for eventualities um, in an yeah. amicable way, not, not in you know, uh, you know, um, doing it uh, behind, behind the scenes or you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Sit down with your partner and look look at your investments. Say if it's property, how do we protect our property? If things yes, don't go don't go well, what are we going to do? Um, mm -hmm. If things break down again, sit down and try and resolve and find a way forward. Especially look if you have children, and you need to look after their best interests. And of course, when you're planning to get married, um, you know if you have property, um, sit down again. You know, go to go to your lawyer. Go to go to your you know friend who is, who is well-versed in these matters and try yes. and discuss with them how best to, to, to treat your property, how best to, to, to plan ahead and, 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 and hopefully um, in the future we avoid a lot of you know, acrimonious situations. So yeah, again, yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Um, thank you. I don't know if you have, if you have any final, anything else to say? Not really, Fidel. We've said yeah. we encourage people uh, new developments. And it's yes. to, to have a betterment at the end of the day.
Okay, absolutely. Thank absolutely. you so much for this wonderful engagement. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gladys. Have, have a great yeah. day. You too.